Sir, in your issue of today, you state that my brief letter, published in your columns, is the best reply I can make to your article upon Dorian Gray. This is not so. I do not propose to discuss fully the matter here, but I feel bound to say that your article contains the most unjustifiable attack that has been made upon any man of letters for many years. The writer of it, who is quite incapable of concealing his personal malice, and so, in some measure, destroys the effect he wishes to produce, seems not to have the slightest idea of the temper in which a work of art should be approached. To say that such a book of mine should be chucked into the fire is silly. This is what one does with newspapers. Of the value of the pseudo-ethical criticism in dealing with artistic work, I have spoken already. But as your writer has ventured into the perilous grounds of literary criticism, I ask you to allow me, in fairness, not merely to myself, but to all men to whom literature is a fine art, to say a few words about his critical method. He begins by assailing me with much ridiculous virulence, because the chief personages in my story are puppies. They are puppies. Does he think that literature went to the dogs when Thackeray wrote about puppydom? I think that puppies are extremely interesting from an artistic as well as from a psychological point of view. They seem to me to be certainly far more interesting than prigs, and I am of opinion that Lord Henry Wotton is an excellent corrective of the tedious ideal shadowed forth in the semi-theological novels of our age. He then makes vague and fearful insinuations about my grammar and my erudition. Now, as regards grammar, I hold that, in prose, at any rate, correctness should always be subordinate to artistic effect and musical cadence, and any peculiarities of syntax that may occur in Dorian Gray are deliberately intended, and are introduced to show the value of the artistic theory in question. Your writer gives no instance of any such peculiarity. This I regret, because I do not think that any such instances occur. As it regards erudition, it is always difficult, even for the most modest of us, to remember that other people do not know quite as much as one does oneself. I myself frankly admit I cannot imagine how a casual reference to Suetonius and Petronius Arbiter can be construed into evidence of a desire to impress an unoffending and ill-educated public by an assumption of superior knowledge. I should fancy that the most ordinary of scholars is perfectly well acquainted with the lives of the Caesars and with the Satyricon. The lives of the Caesars at any rate, forms part of the curriculum at Oxford for those who take the honour school of literae humaniores, and as for the satirican, it is popular even among pass men, though I suppose they are obliged to read it in translations. The writer of the article then suggests that I, in common with that great and noble artist, Count Tolstoy, take pleasure in the subject because 
it is dangerous. About such a suggestion there is this to be said. Romantic art deals with the exception and with the individual. Good people, belonging as they do to the normal and so commonplace type, are artistically uninteresting. Bad people are, from the point of view of art, fascinating studies. They represent colour, variety, and strangeness. Good people exasperate one's reason. Bad people stir one's imagination.